Hi, my name is Lindsay Adams, and you are listening to Mindful as a Mother. Hello and welcome back. I hope you all had a great week. I am recording this on January 2nd, and the topic is New Year's resolutions. It won't air until January 11th, but I am hoping that it will still have a lot of useful information in it. So let's get right to it. I used to be the kind of person who would set a resolution. It was almost always to lose weight. Um, Then after becoming a therapist, I kind of shifted to having a word or intention for the year. And this was great. It helped me focus on being more intentional and bringing more of what I want or needed into my life except that it still sent the message to my brain that I needed to change something about myself or be different than I already am. 2020 has been pretty tough for everyone. I think that that's something like we can all agree on. And when I think back to all the lessons that I learned in 2020, some through therapy, some through life experience, I think of the message that things are perfect just as they are. Like, we are already there. So my 2021 motto is, New Year, same me. And I know a lot of other people have been posting that too. It's not original by any means. But I really identify with it because even with my flaws, extra weight, irritability, and anxiety, I'm good enough. I am done sending the message to myself that I need to change or that I'm not good enough. And you should be too. The other problem that I personally have found with resolution, goals, intentions, whatever we're calling them, is that they set up this unrealistic expectation for change. So say my resolution is to get healthier physically. That sounds like an amazing resolution, right? I'm not talking about weight loss or appearance. Health is good, right? Well, yes, and I'm not honoring the health I already have. I'm setting up the expectation that suddenly on January 1st, I'm going to be the 31-year-old woman that wakes up at 5 a.m. and heads to the gym. Newsflash, if I haven't done that regularly in 31 years, I'm probably not going to magically become this person on January 1st. I might be able to maintain this facade for, of course, like a few weeks. And then, of course, there's like the necessary dietary changes that go with that. You know, I'd go all out. And I try and do everything perfectly, and then I would get overwhelmed and exhausted. My body and brain will be saying, this is chaotic, this is not normal, and get and I'll, then I'll just stop. I'll forget the resolution and set the same one again next year, and that is because I came in with the expectation that I was going to go all, all, go all out and change to make my body more healthy. It also sets up this black or white thinking and mentality that I have to be a person that goes to the gym five days a week or nothing. We often get so overwhelmed that we just choose nothing and then we beat ourselves up for it. Let me give you another scenario. I go into 2021 with the new year, same me mentality, 
working on honoring my body, meaning I'm going to practice gratitude for the health I have, the extra pounds, all that jazz. I'm going to honor that my body needs physical activity and I will do activities that feel best in the moment. Sometimes it'll be lifting, walking, sometimes it'll be yoga. I'll be more likely to be physically active regularly without these rigid five-day-a-week expectations. I'll give myself permission to rest if I'm tired and listen to my body. This listening to my body will translate into listening to my body about foods and how they make me feel. I'll sometimes still eat a Happy Meal from McDonald's, but I'll probably also eat less Sour Patch Kids. I may or may not lose weight, but that's not the point. The point is, I don't feel like a failure at the end of the day. Those feelings of failing and being not good enough are what holds me down, not my view of my own body. That's just an example of what I'm trying to say. Now, you're probably asking, how the hell does this relate to parenting? (laughs) And I think a lot of parents go into the new year with the expectation that if they change their parenting style, it'll be a better year or they go in with wanting to yell less or do more fun activities or be more of a Pinterest mom. But here's the truth. If you change your parenting style overnight, your kids are going to be shocked and respond in a chaotic manner because their little brains are saying, this is not normal. This is not normal. I am unsafe. Also, if you or I adapt some version of a parenting style that you heard about on a podcast, read in a book or saw on Instagram, that won't be authentic to who you are or who your children are and ultimately it will probably cause more frustration and tears than success you'll quit after two weeks and then the motherhood shame cycle will begin I haven't met a mother without the motherhood shame cycle somewhere and so I'm sure you know what I'm talking about when I refer to this so what can you do What is the alternative? How can you become a better person without setting up these unrealistic expectations? Expectations. My advice is to make small changes when you feel it's necessary and when it feels right for you. Use your motherly intuition to be aware of your children's needs and respond to them accordingly. Each child has different needs. And I think we are so blocked in the shoulds and beliefs about how parenting should be that we often have trouble finding our own intuition and our connection with our kids or it's buried really deep. So taking a minute to listen and to find that and to do what you genuinely feel is best for your kids. Maybe your child doesn't respond well to yelling or correcting. Most kids don't. So you would work on telling them what to do instead of what not to do. Maybe your child is motivated by one-on-one time. You can use the child-led time we talked about in the previous episode to encourage good behavior. Ultimately, you're honoring your child and their needs along with yours. No burnout, no shame cycle. I hereby swear that 2021 should be the year We unconditionally accept ourselves and our children where we are at. Here are some ideas of small improvements you can make. Give your child choices instead of telling them what to do. It can help them feel more empowered and in control. 
Learn to recognize your child's hunger, tired, and overstimulated cues, and be more proactive in addressing them before their behavior is out of control and you are frustrated. Positively reinforce desired behavior rather than calling out negative behavior. An example of this is, thank you so much for doing your chore the first time I asked. I really appreciate that. Kids freaking thrive on praise. I think we forget this, but I've noticed that when you compliment a kid, my own kid, other kids, my clients, their faces just light up. They love a compliment. And and sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day that I think we forget to praise them. And so that's something that we can always be working on. Find something to praise. It can even just be praising their existence and the energy that they bring to the life and the family. Okay, so here we are at mom fail of the week. I think I jinxed myself recording the last episode because Ella decided to cut her hair again. And I am not talking about a little bit. Like, she looks like she maybe has a mullet or has like a side of her head shaved growing back. Um, I took her in to get like a real haircut and the only way to hide it is to pin her hair behind her ear. So things I'm wondering are where in the hell are all these scissors coming from? I thought I had hid them all and then there's just more. And why I can never catch these things like before she cuts all of her hair off. So that led me to ask you guys what your worst haircut stories are. And there are so many funny ones. Um, So here we go. Okay, this person said, I used to cut off my hair in small amounts and hide it behind my sister's dresser. They found it all when we moved. I, I mean, maybe they were just like giving themselves a trim I don't know what they were thinking doing this, but I I love it and I want to know why they were doing it. So you know who you are. Tell me why you were doing this. Okay, the next one. My mom always said the day of family photos, my sister would chop her hair off and they had to go get her a bowl cut for photos. I love things like that. I love when people <laughs> take pictures like family photos with like a black eye or like a haircut because like we're, you know, we're honoring like where we were that day. And it's so fun to look back and remember. My oldest cut her hair right in front to the scalp when she was about that age. So I think she's referring to Ella who was two. I had looked away to grab the baby. The back was bad enough. She needed a pixie cut to fix it, but the front just had to have time. There was nothing I could do to blend it all. Her hair did eventually grow out beautifully. Well, that's good that her hair came back beautifully, and I'm hoping Ella's does too. My now seven-year-old cut her hair when we were fostering baby twins, and they were in the hair pulling phase. She cut it so they wouldn't pull her hair anymore. I like how this girl thinks. She's like, I'm just going to get rid of it, then they won't pull it, and we're done. My oldest shaved her and her sister's eyebrows off like gone. It was a look. Um, This made me think of like a few times where I've accidentally shaved part of my eyebrow, maybe half of my eyebrow off. It's happened more than once, I'm embarrassed to say. And you kind of just have to like pencil it in until your eyebrow grows back. This was 
for like eyebrows were the thing though. Like this was back when thin eyebrows were a thing. And so it was harder to get away with and more noticeable. Now I think it's easier to draw your eyebrows on and no one notices. So eyebrow stories. Yeah, that's funny. I think there was also a trend at one time where people would like cut steps in their eyebrows, which I still don't understand. Um, yeah, still don't get it. I wonder if people still do that. If you know anyone that still does it, let me know. The next one is another eyebrow story. When I was about eight, I was goofing off with my mom's old nose hair trimmer. Hadn't worked in months, played with it over my eyebrow, buzzed half right off. My mom had to paint on half an eyebrow with a makeup pencil for a few months. Eek. <laughs> yep, been there. Not with a nose hair trimmer though. So um, mine was just like a razor because I was being lazy and I hate tweezing my eyebrows. So I would like try and shave around them. And I just was like, I don't know, goofing off and there goes half your eyebrow. Okay, I just have a few more. Um, my son and youngest daughter were basically connected at the hip, even though they were three years apart. However, when my daughter was three, she had the prettiest black hair, usually in two braids. Well, one day my son decided she needed a haircut, so he took a razor and shaved the middle front of her hair to the scalp. Ooh, it's the scalp one that's so hard because it's like so hard to cover. They're trying to like, do you comb it over? What do you do? It probably depends on where the scalping happened. Um, okay, very last one. My da my daughter decided to give it a try one year and cut the front of her hair up to her chin literally two days before being Rapunzel for Halloween. She wasn't pleased when she realized she'd have to be the short-haired Rapunzel, but that didn't stop her from doing it again the next year, a week before Christmas. I think the hardest lesson to learn as an adult or a child is that you should probably never cut or dye your own hair unless you are a professional because it will pretty much always end up poorly. And even though we don't like the results, we continue to do it because we're impulsive and we want change right away. Um, anyway, those were hilarious. Thank you for sharing them with me. They definitely made my feelings about Ella cutting her hair easier to cope with and I cannot wait to hear the mom fails next week. I would like your feedback about something. I am trying to decide if I should do like a topic for mom fails or all over general mom fails. So DM me and let me know what you think. We talked about praise earlier so now I wanted to include some simple ways to praise your child and different kinds of praise that you can give. This is an interesting one because there's kind of a few schools of thought on praising based on physical attributes or appearance. Some say we shouldn't talk about appearance at all and some say we should. Here's my thought on it. I want my kids to recognize that appearance does not impact their value. They are whole and worthy based on their souls and the light they bring to this world. And I also understand that I live in a society where there is so much pressure put on physical parents. And I don't want to send my children into the big bad world unprepared for this reality. I want my children to appreciate and love their parents the best that they can. Because I know that it's something that I have struggled with and do struggle with on a daily basis. So how do I praise them and teach them that appearance isn't the only thing that matters but that we should still love ourselves. 
Here are three ways that we can do that. The first is to focus on their preferences and creativity rather than beauty. So when we talk about clothing, hairstyles, makeup, saying, I love that you got so creative with your makeup. I love how you put that outfit together rather than physical appearance and things that are more set in stone. The second is to focus on gratitude for the function of their body. Um, your legs are very strong. They allowed you to complete this whole hike today. Um, or just things like that rather than focusing on the appearance of the body, but the, the physical things that our body allows us to do. And the third is to encourage comfort and confidence in appearance. So instead of encouraging our kids to dress or um, do hairstyles or makeup within the style or what's trending, but to do things that make them feel confident and comfortable in their appearance. And then you can praise that by saying things like, you look so confident today in that outfit. I can tell that you really feel good about yourself and I love that. Things like that. So now we want to try and balance the amount of praise that isn't about physical attributes with the ones that is. Um, and so that's also pre praising qualities, actions, and other things that our children have that are positive. So you don't want all of your praise to be about physical appearance. And you also don't want none of your praise to be about physical appearance. So finding a solid middle ground, I think, is the best way to approach this. I want to leave you with a quote, praise the things you want to grow. If you want more of Mindful as a Mother, you can find me on Instagram at Lynn's underscore Adams LCSW. Once again, at Lynn's L-I-N-D-S underscore Adams L-C-S-W.